Hey there, friends. We are back for part two of Dinosaurs. I hope the ride has been okay so far. We get a little extra sloppy in this one. But what else can you expect after I fired James in part one and now it's encounter me? Good luck and enjoy. Hey there, creepers, and welcome to an episode of Encounter Me, a podcast that dives deep into my dangerous psyche. Also featuring James Kidd. Uh, moving on, we're going to jump down to the Stegosaurus. Classic. Classic Stegosaurus. Super classic. Um, this is a huge beast in 5e. Um, also known as the Blood Spike Behemoth. Uh, they were actually gargantuan <laughs> in 3e. Oh, cool. Yeah, and of course had alternating protective plates from head to tail. Uh, the spikes in their tail were up to a meter in length, which is not small. And no, uh, they used their large. plates to distribute heat absorbed from the sun. Uh, found in the jungles of Chalt, sticking together in small groups of four or five. And they were not intelligent and had very small brains. Uh, f- combat tactics for these creatures included turning away from the threat and thrashing their tail about, as well as kicking like a horse or charging and trampling smaller creatures. Annoyingly, this is not well reflected in the stat block, which we will get to. Okay. Um, I made a specific note about that because I was not happy. Uh, IRL, uh, herbivores, uh, they are also from Ornithischia, and they uh, measured around 9 meters or 29.5 feet in length, weighing as much as 5.3 to 7 metric tons, or 15,432 pounds. That's so big. Big. Yeah, really big. Um, we're around in the late Jurassic period. Um, the Stegosaurus discovery um, is basically one of the many dinosaurs first collected and described in the Bone Wars. And we're Dude, originally... there were so many from the Bone Wars. <laughs> no like, doubt. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. Uh, these guy, this guy was originally named by Othniel Charles Marsh in 1877 uh, from the remains covered north of Morrison, Colorado. And the meaning of their name is Roof Lizard. Um, Okay. I didn't really see anything as to why. (laughs) Uh, I guess the plates on its back look probably pretty unique in the discovery at the time. It's like, oh, look, they've got a roof. Uh, (laughs) And it's a lizard. Moving on. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> said Charles Marsh. Uh, and the uh, uh, fun fact I have here is that famously possessing a small brain, it was later discovered that a second brain may have existed near the hips in its rear portion, possibly responsible for controlling reflexes for the rear of its body and giving a sort of temporary boost when under threat. It also may have been a reservoir for compounds to support the nervous system. Or a balance organ. Or a balance organ. Uh, If I remember correctly, there was a really interesting uh, picture. I don't have it here, but uh, of the cavity or or what would have filled the cavity uh, where this uh, brain was. And I think they have a a pretty strong uh, reason for believing that it's a a separate brain. Not not like a a thinking brain, but like something that activated and and had a significant um, uh, impact on its survival, which I thought was really Um. quite interesting. Well, the large canal was was much much larger than where its brain would have been. Mm-hmm. 
And the theory is that because it was in its hips, it would control its reflexes. Right. So it would give it a, a boost when it was under threat from predators. Yeah. But I'm not sure when this research came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think it's it's probably more likely to be a sac. This this article says sacrolumbar expansion. Okay. Um, which is not unique to stegosaurs, seropods, and is present in birds. Uh, okay. It contains a glycogen body, a structure whose function is not fully known, but is, is theorized to facilitate the supply of glyco- glycogen to the animal's nervous system. Mm-hmm. So Crazy. the other theory is that it was a, you know, like a, like an organ to supply compounds, like you said, or a balance organ. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense yeah, to me. But, it's just like, you know, a defensive mechanism organ, um, like a big, big boost to whatever it is that it needs to, to react essentially. Uh, to yeah, defend, sure. you know, to, to attack. Um, stat block wise, you know, again, it's a huge beast. Gargantuan in a three, um, which I, I find strange. Gargantuan, when I think Gargantuan, I think really big, like Brontosaurus big. So it doesn't make sense to me, although I'm not sure if the size differences in three were much different from 5e. Um, well, in three, they were actually defined. In 5e, they're not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're more loosely defined. There is an image and page one of the PDF that gives you a basic idea of gar- uh, of the sizes. I don't know if you noticed that, and that uh, that's some five E stuff. Right yeah, there. yeah, yeah. But in in three, they're like uh, like like numerically defined. Yeah, like really hard, eh? Um, yeah. But I mean, as far as this creature is concerned, like AC thirteen, seventy six HP, uh, speed of forty, high strength. Everything else is up to snuff. No extra special things. Um, CR of four, tail attack of sixty-six plus five. Nothing to, nothing to scoff at. It is bludgeoning damage, apparently, unless I got that wrong. Uh, and um, the uh, that's it. That's literally it. Despite the description from uh, the Forgotten Realms wiki that they horse kick, um, <laughs> right? And. Uh, uh, and they charge and they trample smaller creatures. These these creatures are missing um, some actions, I, as far as I'm concerned. Why why don't they have a charge? Why don't they have the trample? They are a CR four. Just the damage alone is not worth their CR. They're uh, you know low AC, you know okay HP. Like they're they're really boring. Um, yeah, their description um, gives a and, lot and more than their stat block. But to be perfectly honest, the the lower AC of these um, herbivores really actually bugs me. I think they should be much higher. They would have evolved thicker skin to reduce, mm-hmm. um, or like at least resistance against piercing attacks or something like right. that. Like, there's there's no world in which this skin is as thick as a the skin mm-hmm. of a you know a, a, tra- mm-hmm. a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. You, you know, yeah. You, I mean, you said piercing, but I would argue f- slashing. Uh, I mean, teeth don't slash, but yes, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Pier- piercing is more direct, so it's going to pierce through that thick skin. Slashing is just going to like probably bounce off of it, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I think there should be some sort of dr. I like the I like that there's the big boost of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love the the nerf to dex here, um, but yeah, mm. there's not a whole lot going on. Like they're as as iconic as they are. Um, I agree with you that that tail weapon should be piercing at the very least because it is um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Thajomizer. Thajomizer? <laughs> you made that up. 
I wish. Um, <laughs> it is the distinctive arrangement of four to ten spikes on the tail of stegosauride dinosaurs. Oh, okay. Thagomizer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's weird. Um, you know, and, and the plates are, are I, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it really does feel like it, like this whole dinosaur has always felt like it's lacking something to me. And I know that those plates are probably for thermogenesis and they're not actually bone. They are platelets. They're, mm. um, they're probably used to absorb and diffuse heat. Uh, but I don't know. I just always thought this dinosaur looked badass as fuck. Yeah. And apparently it just straight up wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Stegosaurus. I think, I, I think they're cool. Yeah, for sure. Too, yeah. I mean, this is the one I, I remember the most having a toy of, for sure. Mm. Um, and They uh, were in uh, Jurassic Park 1 as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Alan uh, ducks out of the way of that, that um, Thatchel Miser. Actually, you know, I think that might be number two. I feel like I, uh, as much as I don't know two and three very well, um, I very much remember the Stegosaurus appearing in one of the latter two, or latter, uh, yeah, one of the latter two, um, and it not being in the first one. Okay, yeah. you might be right there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, that's not one of the memories I have mm-hmm. pretty specifically. Um, I know there's definitely a scene in number two, and I think it's Vince Vaughn who's inside of a hollow log where a Stegosaurus tail pierces it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I... I, I yeah, uh, I th- I think it's Vince Vaughn. Yeah. It might be it might be uh, Julianne Moore. Um, <laughs> e- easily easily mistaken. Um. <laughs> uh, it's been it's honestly been a, a hot second yeah. since I saw. I mean, uh, Vince Lost Vaughn World. looks like, a lot like Judy Foster. So let's you know, Jody, whatever. <laughs> uh, Gotten that? <laughs> yep. Uh, I will. I don't mind uh, making the quick addendum. I did look it up. It, it, the sapbuck does actually read piercing for the tail. It's not bludgeoning. I yeah, just got it wrong yeah, here. That makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't going to look it up because piercing just makes sense. Yes, yeah, for sure. But I, I wish I wish they had a trample. Uh, I wish they had a, a kick. Because um, that's that's yeah. What those back legs look like they could yeah. do some fucking damage. Absolutely. And I love the idea of them being attacked, and all they do is just turn their back to their opponent and start going nuts you know they swing the yeah. tail they kick they go to town and i, I like that and, and the fact that they um they apparently group in f- groups of four and five like there might be a there might be a cr4 even with adding those things maybe maybe a cr5 or six at most but you know in a group this is not a this is not a level four or five encounter if for some reason you're hunting them down it's it's intense yeah, I'm. I'm actually like, as much as this dinosaur, uh, it, uh, it appears in the real world, it doesn't have a whole lot going on for it, other mm-hmm. than it looks fucking cool. Yeah, um, this stat block is is really kind of all over the place. It, it it's kind of a hot mess. Yeah, um, the dex I think is way too low for a quadruped right. uh, creature. Period. Much less a quadruped prey creature. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the intelligence is probably a little too low like i think that's playing on the the the, the theory that stegosaurus had the lowest um brain to body ratio out of any creature i think we found i think i think that's accurate um and it's just it's not you know it's yeah. the five five charisma like 
Well, this dinosaur has yeah. got char- charisma coming out of its asshole. <laughs> well, so, so to be fair, uh, just quickly reviewing all of the uh, the stat blocks here, um, and I remember this being a, a consistent thing, and it's that especially with the intelligence and the charisma that you've just noted, pretty much all of them are the same. So, like, the Stegosaurus yeah, actually I mean, doesn't but... suffer from what you've said as far as the stat block goes. It's on okay. par with everyone else. It's two intelligences or five charisma. There's, like, very little exceptions to that rule as far as the stat blocks go. So, I mean, that bugs me. Yeah. Um, you know, the Stegosaurus should be the exception to that rule because of that brain-to-body ratio right. um, that, we've, that we've talked about that has been observed. <laughs> Um, but like it's a CR four for seemingly no reason. You know, I think it's again. I think it's AC's too low. Um, I don't understand why it's got eight D twelve hit points. I don't understand why it's huge. I don't understand why its attack is so high. Like yeah. n- none of that stuff really adds up to me. I think this this is probably the one we've seen so far that would benefit them most from homebrew. Yeah, um, I, I imagine that uh, it's it's defensive reactions. Um, make it aggressive and it's it's probably really hard to balance um that between hp uh attack bonus and ac you know uh i have a hard time imagining its ac being higher but i but i also agree with everything you're saying why is its hp that why is its attack so high um yeah and so i mean i guess my my to me i just attribute all that to its size it's a huge beast You know, it's easy so to hit there, and it's hard to avoid. Right. So my logic there is because it's a prey animal, it's going to have developed some sort of, of defense mechanism to a direct attack. Hmm. Um, whether that be the platelets or whatever, I think its AC should be higher and its and its HP should be lower. Like this is <laughs> this is you know, it can survive one or two hits, but it shouldn't survive three from a level three barbarian. Right. Um, whereas it should be harder to hit because you're just not getting, I guess what I would like is DR. I think, I think yeah. really what I'd like from some of these dinosaurs is the prey animals specifically. Like I was literally just thinking that I think that's the solution. I, I think that's I think what the, we're yeah. missing the most. And I think that you could even half those hit points yeah. and, and just give it DR. Um, I think this I think might be the mistake of, of, uh, these sap blocks and wizards in that because they are beasts, they're all unaligned. Um, that uh, they are lacking in DR, and I think it's because they often apply DR to creatures that are at least a little bit magical, very rarely with no magic, and I, I think that's a mistake. I think so, too. I think, especially I think anything the, with a thicker skin should have yeah, damage. Especially in the example of the, you know, going way back, the Ankylosaurus. Like, it's got literally metal plates on its back. It's literally known tail. as the tank of the of the crustaceans. <laughs> yeah. That's its nickname. You know, why the hell doesn't it have a DR? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I think we're very much on the same page in that. Um, and th- this this guy, the Stegosaurus, and probably a few others in retrospect, deserve some homebrew love in that regard. DR versus AC and such. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens when we get to the Stegoceratops, but let's... Um, <laughs> the, I'm sorry, the what? Deal with... <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so here's your fun fact about the Stegosaurus. Um in Jurassic World, oh. they originally thought Indominus Rex wasn't the wasn't enough um, to a genetically mod or one genetically modified dinosaur wasn't enough. So in in tandem with the uh, Stegosaurus or the uh, Indominus Rex and the um, Indoraptor, they were going to have the uh, Stegoceratops, but they cut it because they wanted the Indorex to be unique. 
The only thing I have to say to that is that if anyone listening didn't understand it because they haven't watched the films and now they feel like they want to watch the films to understand it, don't. Just, just still don't. Just don't. It's not worth it. It's atrocious. It's awful. It's not. It's not worth it. <laughs> just don't. I, <laughs> the Adonis Rex is like the, the dumbest thing that's ever been created. I hate it so much. <laughs> no, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. I really like B.D. Wong as a character in that movie. Oh, I love um, B.D. Wong. And he's I think so that's great. what makes... I, I think he's the redeeming factor for me. He actually does a great job through through the whole thing. <laughs> well, and he says one line that that like retcons all of Jurassic Park. Um, and it's always stood out to me. And I don't... I'm going to butcher the quote here. Oh, God. Uh, and instead, I'm going to paraphrase it. And it's he's like, you want, it, you want them bigger. You want them scarier. You don't want them with feathers or you don't want them to look realistic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like he acknowledges that dinosaurs have feathers. Yeah. And he explains it away in one line. He's like, you don't want them to have feathers. You want them to look a certain way. You want them to be bigger, stronger, and scarier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's why he's always engineered them without feathers. Right. He's like, that's that's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. Man, B.D. Yeah, Wong is wrong. a legend. He's he's awesome. I love that guy. Watch everything he does. Watch Nora from Queens. What? Just everything. Watch Oz. Everything Although, watch it with caution. Oz is a brutal show, but it's great. Yeah. Nora from Queens is funny as hell, and he's amazing in it. He's so out of character. It's fantastic. Uh, um, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Stegosaurus is taking up a lot of time. All right. I love it. Yeah. Stegoceratops. <laughs> got it. Let's do it. Oh, God. Uh, okay. We've got, a, we've got three more to go. <laughs> okay. Still. Sorry. Right, so, we're going to move on to another classic. The Triceratops. Uh, and since we're running so long, uh, we, we anticipated we would. Uh, what do you say, James, that we just make the decision now? We're going to cut this in two parts. We're going to do two back-to-back eps. Um, and uh, I, guess, I guess that means the horrible, horrible thing that one of these is going to drop on Aaron's birthday. So I guess this is happy birthday, Aaron. I mean, I'm not going to say it. Um, I I think that's probably a good idea. We, I, so the client we use to publish um, audio has a file max size limit, and we're getting real close to what that would be. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's probably best if we drop this as a two-parter. <laughs> All right. Well, seeing as how this is suddenly turned into a birthday present for one of my best friends, although I hate it, I have to crack another beer. Ugh, it's the worst. <laughs> this is honestly one of the most fun I've had doing an episode. This is great. I told you this was going to be a silly one. Uh, yeah. And uh, again, I'm so pumped that you just have all this weird information about dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know it was this in a dinosaur. <laughs> I hope it's mostly accurate, at least. <laughs> it, I think it is. Uh, well, <laughs> here's hoping. Fingers crossed. You heard it here first, guys. We're mostly accurate about dinosaurs. Um, yeah, I'm an amateur dinosaurologist. <laughs> Enthusiast grade, I think is what people would call me. <laughs> well, the old Triceratops uh, is a classic. Uh, in in uh, the D&D lore, it does have a Cholton language name. Um, okay, cool. Itepka is the best way I know how to pronounce that. Um, it is a, known as a massive dinosaur with a short temper. Uh, and of course, for being an herbivore. Uh, it's found in the sense. jungles of Chalt, and yet another one of those found on the Forbidden Plateau. And uh, an honorable mention is that the, a Chult, there was a Chult secret society 
that called themselves the Triceratops Society and left little iron Triceratops figurines as signs of warning or calling cards. I guess that's cool. I wasn't really sure how to feel about it. It's a very unimaginative name for a secret society. And also, iron Triceratops figurines. It sounds like a lot of work to just leave behind as a calling card. (laughs) Oh, no. You just make one mold and you cast it. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. um, I don't know. Uh, My guess is there's more in Tomb of Annihilation regarding that. But uh, Probably. I just thought I it was a weird. It was the only other thing I could really find, and I thought it was kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. But as far as IRL stuff goes, uh, of course they were an herbivore. Um, they belonged to the clade known as Marginocephalia. Marginocephalia. It's a clade of ornithischian dinosaurs that is characterized by a bony shelf or margin at the back of the skull. So very trademark uh, part of the Triceratops. Right. Um, that big shelf or, or what have you on, on the back of the skull. Well, there's all, yeah. There's a whole, so is, is it the marginocephalia that all have that shelf? Is that what? what I think that's it, uh, yeah. Because they, they, they also belong to Ornithischia. Right. But you know, going down the line, the um, the margin marginocephalia also right. it's like the Cosmosaurus that shelf and, yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of different ones, right? Um, mm. That look like a Triceratops. Yeah, right. Of course there are. Yeah, uh, so they definitely belong to a, a, a certain family under Ornithischia, as far as I know. Now the Triceratops is like seven point nine to nine meters twenty six to thirty feet in length uh, two point nine to three meters or nine point five to nine point eight in height and weighed six point seven to twelve tons uh, not a if sp- I'm not mistaken that's just a school bus <laughs> pretty much school yeah. bus with horns <laughs> yep I think school school bus with horns <laughs> oh you know that now that I see it that's what their name means no um <laughs> Imagine. I don't know why that got me. Because <laughs> it was dumb and it was great at the same time. Uh, these guys come from the late Cretaceous period. And uh, they, uh, as, uh, as far as the discovery is concerned, the first named specimen now attributed to the Triceratops is a pair of brow horns attached to a skull roof found by George Lyman Cannon near Denver, Colorado in the spring of 1887. Uh, so they weren't sure what it was at first, uh, but now we know that it's a Triceratops. The meaning of Triceratops is actually three horn face. Um, very, spe- right. very direct and specific. <laughs> um, and fun fact with these guys is that uh, I didn't know this was a thing, but uh, it, it is the official state fossil of South Dakota and the official state dinosaur of Wyoming. Um, I legit feel like I knew that, but oh, I yeah. don't know why I would know that. I didn't know there were such thing as state fossils and state dinosaurs, but I mean, I guess it makes sense considering that's where a lot of them were found, you know, those certain areas of uh, North America and the U.S. and stuff. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, those states make up a whole bunch of shit anyway. <laughs> why not? I mean, we all state flowers and shit, so, or like provincial flowers and animals. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't have state flowers. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and we got birds and shit. I mean, they they have all those. Every state has a flower, a bird, a motto, and right? Yeah, else. yeah. A flag, probably. 
Um, you can see the artwork is a pretty big variance here. The the top one that I have here is, uh, I believe, from straight from Tomb of Annihilation. It's from one yeah, of the races. That's from, yeah. yeah, that and, is for sure. Uh, I believe it's either a T-Rex or an Allosaur racing a, a, a Triceratops. Uh, the, the other one is a 2E art, which is oddly reminiscent of like an old... Um, you know, video game system. I almost feel like it's it's a bit it's significantly better rendered, but it just gives me a vibe of like an old Sega game or something. You know that you would you would see okay. pixelated. Um, and the other piece of art uh, that's from Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, the comic book, right? Which one? Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Which 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 art? The last one? The last piece of art? Uh, yeah. As far as I know, this is the D and D one. I, I genuinely don't know. Oh yeah. All I know is that it is ridiculous, and I've had a little note here that says, apparently Tyrannosaurs kill Triceratops by humping them to death, because that's what it looks like when he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He's dry humping so his back if, leg, uh, <laughs> and it's really dumb. <laughs> uh, one, one of the things illustrators used to do in the late 70s and early 80s, um, specifically in comic books, is not draw pupils in and just color in all the eyes white. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Because the, uh, the the printers couldn't print the dots in yeah. pupils like that. Cool, yeah. Um, so that's that's why you see a lot of characters uh, with, with just pure white eyes or white and black eyes or, you know, their eyes closed or shaded or whatever. It's because sure. they couldn't do the pupils. So this looks like it was printed that way. So my initial thought was an early X-Men book. Um, sorry, a middling X-Men book from like the late 70s when they visited the Savage Land um, or Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, which was... I think also a Marvel book in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Also a, a, a television show in the late 80s. But Sure, fair enough. I mean, interesting facts. Doesn't address the fact that that T-Rex is humping that Triceratops. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. just dry humping the shit out of him. <laughs> just, I think he's teabagging him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, got some, he got some sweet kills on him in Counter-Strike. <laughs> yeah, just, looks that way. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, um, I also don't think this is a Triceratops, if I'm being... In that image? No. I yeah. definitely completely stripped this image from the Forgotten Realms wiki, so it's on them, <laughs> whether this is accurate or applicable. Oh, for sure. So there's, um, there, there's a different type of Triceratops, and I don't know uh, what it's called, uh, because I'm, I, I didn't have the foresight to look it up. Right. But the, the Triceratops that we know doesn't have the spikes coming out of the top of its head. Yeah, I, I so there's something those, called yeah. a Cosmosaurus, which has all the spikes, right? And then there's a Regalosaurus, which has like frills, um, yeah. and then there's the the Titanosaurus, which is probably this might actually be the Titanoceratops mm-hmm. um, because it, it's like its size right. is pretty it's close to a tri- really uh, big, yeah, yeah. So it might be a Titanoceratops. Um, uh, as far as the stat block goes, I mean, we're looking at a huge creature, uh, 13 AC again, uh, HP of 95, speed of 50, which is pretty significant. Uh, it is a CR5. Um, it has uh, gore and stomp for attacks. Um, yeah, I like that. That makes sense. That gore is pretty yeah. aggressive. Stomp like requires the creature to be prone, which you don't see very often. It's just kind of plugged into that very basic information. Uh, but yeah, it comes right. up, hits you with the horns, um, and then if you're down, it stomps you. They, of course, have what's called trampling charge, uh, which is the thing we've been sort of asking for for a couple of these creatures. Right. So a minimum of 20 feet, uh, which is different from pounce. It's a little bit uh, like like with the dive attack, a little bit less than uh, half the speed. 
and uh, if it hits with the gore attack after running that amount, DC 13 strength saving throw to be knocked prone, and then a stomp attack as a bonus action. Okay, that's cool. So it has the ability to knock them prone and then the attack to make one they're prone. Right, yeah. You get down there and then it can stomp away. Uh, no multi-attack, yeah. so it's not, not getting too crazy, but... Um, well, I don't think this thing is dexterous enough to have multi-attack. Yeah, yeah definitely uh, a big but, lumbery thing. Uh, this thing seems to be lumped in uh, size and stat-wise with the Stegosaurus, but with features. <laughs> where the yeah, Stegosaurus this is, is what we them. would, we uh, in the business, call a good stat ball. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. It's interesting. Um, the Stegosaurus just needs love to its stat block like this Triceratops has received. Um, but, I mean, it all adds up to me in this case. Not much complaint like the Stegosaurus, and I think it looks pretty good. Uh, we're looking at, like, yeah, I like 48 for the gore, 3D10 for the stomp. It's no slouch. It's, it's hitting hard. Yeah, this will fucking end you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a threat? <laughs> I mean, it might be. <laughs> it might be. Like Bring it on. This is a. This is actually a rough CR five. I think you know the yeah. forty eight on the gore alone. Yeah. Um, and then the stomp, the three D ten is a bonus action. Like that's. That's big. That's yeah. Pretty. It's yeah. Big. Like, and I, I don't like like a Stegosaurus. This is a herbivore, and herbivores aren't solo creatures in the wild. Right. Um. So I cannot imagine that this would be a solo creature, something that lives with larger predators. So you think it would be like the Stegosaurus, like group packs of four or five or something like that, right? Almost any, like almost any herbivore that I'm aware of is a pack animal, right? Yeah. Um, Honestly, if if you gave this stat block multi attack and just simply gave it multi attack for stomp, um, and still required the prone creature caveat. Um, you would easily increase its CR. It's just like it gets two stomps um, if the creature is prone. Like that, that CR increase would happen would, would increase quite a bit. I would think very quickly. Um, yeah, would be the easy maybe, one. To maybe make not as much as you think. Um, I, I think the way to really increase the CR is to make the gore attack knock them prone. Like you hit them so hard with the horns, mm-hmm. they fall over. Um. Because it's really easy to get up in five e, it doesn't provoke or anything like that. Right, so they can yeah. just stand up. Um, I, so I don't. I yeah, don't, I think keeping true I don't think you're to get a trample and yeah. a stomp. I think keeping true to the the way the staff blocks generally work in five e, I would, I would almost give the Gora shove mechanic, allowing for the next turn to trample in charge if they don't move or if they move farther away. You know, like uh, I like that, but yeah. you'd have to knock them twenty feet. Uh, yeah, I w- yeah, it would have to be. Uh, I, I, to me, it would be like a knock them ten, and right. um, and then see what Lower they do. The charge. And if they're like fuck this, like I get hit hard and I get shoved away, I'm I'm gonna peel. And then they're like, well, no, you peeled. That's the wrong move. I'm gonna trampling charge you now. You know, a bit, a bit right. of a psych out. Um, not not saying that would necessarily play into the favor of the triceratops, but like, you know, might might play with the psyche of the player at least. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't see why you couldn't just make that in the moment happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Good good improv moment, encounter- yeah. Yeah, that's one of those encounter designs a la minute that I think is just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like this tap block. I like Triceratops. They're one of my favorite dinosaurs. I think they're really neat. Um, uh, as, as we do in the show notes, we'll link an episode of... Uh, 
Excuse me. It's it's a show called What Dinosaur Real Good. It's on the Small Beans <laughs> Network, and they do one on a creature called the Cosmoceratops, yeah. which looks like the Triceratops if it had a comb over. <laughs> uh, so everything's really similar uh, to the Triceratops, mm-hmm. but it's uh, like they think it was these wild colors. Um, so we'll we'll link that in the show notes uh, because it's it's a fantastic episode. I love those guys and uh, the small small beans deserve uh, more more love. Yeah, if you guys were uh, cracked fans, it's Michael Swaim, uh, Abe Epperson, and Bridget Greenberg um, from back when cracked media used to be good or entertaining. <laughs> Wicked. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're reaching the. Uh, the final stretch, and uh, we're going to talk about the, probably the biggest stat block so far, and it's the old Tyrannosaurus Rex. The old king of the jungle. The old king of jungle. Um, D&D describes them as enormous predators known for their savage nature and low intelligence, which sometimes saw them performing self-destructive acts, like trying to swallow the horned head of a triceratops whole. <laughs> Uh, what an idiot. <laughs> found in the jungles of Schultz, who would have thought? And, of course, on the Forbidden Plateau. Uh, and this is where I found the uh, pronunciation of Upteo. Uh, the patron deity of Schultz took the form of a T-Rex as its avatar, and the dinosaur itself was believed to be among its children. And that's your honorable mention as far as D&D is concerned. For IRL stuff, uh, carnivore, theropoda, for clade, and uh, as far as size goes, from one of the largest and most complete specimens. Man, there's a lot of spelling mistakes in that one. Uh, uh, It's nicknamed Sue, Um, and uh, it is uh, about 12.8 meters in length, or 40 to 42 feet, and uh, 3.66 meters, or 12 feet, at height of the hips. And weighed 8.4 to 14 tons. Um, okay. Not a small creature. Uh, really adds up to what we what we visually would have seen from uh, a lot of the uh, Jurassic Park films and stuff. Uh, existed in the late Cretaceous period. Uh, discovery uh, came from the... Uh, first found was the teeth. And from what is now documented as the T-Rex. And they were found in 1874 by Arthur Lakes near Golden, Colorado. And in 1892, Edward Drinker Cope found two vertebral fragments and Barnum Brown, assistant curator of the uh, uh, American Museum of Natural History at the time, found the first partial skeleton of T-Rex in eastern Wyoming in 1900. So it took a, it took a bit of time to like, sort of uh, realize these things were all connected. Uh, the literal meaning of Tyrannosaurus Rex is Tyrant Lizard King. Wow. That's such a good name. It really is. I, love, I, I feel like I said one of the things I always thought that was strange about the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, what's Rex? Like, Rex seems like a weird added-on feature, but I didn't realize it literally meant king. It had, oh, there are yeah. a bunch of quarters uh, from the, the early 1900s that say Rex on them when we had a king. Uh, oh, yeah? That's how I know that. Cool. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, Regina is queen, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, going to get to that fun fact that I promised you way earlier, and it's that a study in 2012, is very recent, by Carl Bates and Peter Falkingham, 
found that the Tyrannosaurus had the most powerful bite of any terrestrial creature that has ever lived. Finding wow. an adult Tyrannosaurus could exert 35,000 to 57,000 newtons, or 7,868 to 12,814 pounds of force in the back of its teeth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> An outrageous amount. And this is, this is why it could just get through that Ankylosaurus, like, shell and armor, you know? Like, unbelievable. Crazy. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, really phenomenal creature. Um, there's lots of pictures I put below at a whole separate page. Uh, you can see some artist renderings. One's of a, of a, a reconstructed jaw. One is a really cool image of a, the right forelimb. Um, various heads of different species of pterosaur. A probable footprint found in New Mexico, which is really, really nifty. Um, and uh, as far as the stat block goes... You know, it's got quite a bit going on here. It's a huge beast. Uh, 13 AC, such a common thing. Uh, hit points of 136. Speed of 50, so it's not, not slow. Uh, its dex is 10, which is quite high for a lot of these huge creatures we've been looking at. And it's a 25 strength, the plus 7. Uh, well, these things could run 30 miles an hour. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, strangely enough, they're way more charismatic than the rest. <laughs> They have a nine charisma. Um. <laughs> That's because of Spielberg, I think. Or Disney. Yeah. But we yeah. can get to that later. Maybe they could just wink with one eye and just really draw you in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that happens in literally every Jurassic Park film. So, um. <laughs> so the T-Rex has a, uh, a perception uh, of plus four. So it's, uh, it's, it's keeping an eye out. It does have multi-attack which I, might be the first we've come across in this whole list. Oh, no, it's not. Um, the old Deinonychus had that when we argued that the, the CR wasn't adding up. Oh, right. Up to three yeah. attacks, yeah. Uh, same deal with the T-Rex. One bite, one tail. The bite is really interesting. Uh, 40-12, which is terrifying. So this is a CR-8 creature. This is, this is up so there. much higher. So much higher. The highest we've seen so far is CR-5. Um, 4d12 plus 7 piercing if the target is medium or smaller it's grappled uh, escape DC of 17 and until the grapple ends it's restrained and the Tyrannosaurus can't bite another target of course but it can continue biting it and the tail is right. doing 3d8 plus 7 so it's like really following through it's, it's going to attack real hard and that uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like it has a reach, 10-foot reach, too. Yeah, 10-foot reach on both of those decks. Is that not small for a huge creature? Uh, no, I think that's pretty pretty standard. I mean, yeah. you could see 10-foot okay. reach on a, on a large creature, even. Um, that's kind of what I was thinking, is mm -hmm. that it, it might be, oh, see, like, oh. the bite attack specifically might be a lot, like, 15 feet. But uh, I think uh, I think that it's probably related to its its head and tail size to its body, where, like, a lot of creatures, like their 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 head and neck, might be way longer, and their tail is like really long. Where the Tyrannosaurus is like, it might be a, it's a big creature, but it's a little bit more compact in its length. That's just me. Yeah, spitballing, I guess though. so. It looks like its tail is about as long as the rest of its body. So I guess the tail in this case too is a counterweight. Mm -hmm. uh, so that yeah, I guess that makes for sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the, I mean, we all know that this this creature particularly is not able to like get down on that, those front those front limbs 
Um, so that counterweight idea makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the other of the two that uh, uh, Tomb of Annihilation has treated us with a zombie feature. Awesome. Uh, this one is way more crazy. <laughs> uh, it has the, the same trademarks, uh, lowered AC at 11, lower speed at 40 instead of 50. Uh, Dex, Int, Wisdom, and Charisma all take a hit. Um, it does gain the da- uh, damage and condition immunities of Poison, Dark Vision, so on and so forth. Uh, it does have the Undead Fortitude. Again, with the uh, uh, when the zombie is reduced, excuse me, when the zombie is reduced to zero hit points, it makes a con save uh, of DC of five plus damage taken, unless that damage is radiant or, or critical. And on a success, the zombie drops to one hit point instead. You know what I kind of love about that is that it, that can happen multiple times. There's no, um, if it keeps succeeding that save, it stays alive. Makes it that much so more So you know? I think, um, I think this is a ghoul trait. Oh yeah, and I know I've used this against you guys before. Um, I'm not sure if it was a ghoul or a revenant, um, but I have used this, and I have succeeded on this more than one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love, I love it. I think cool. it's, I think it's so good. It's like orc ferocity, but for as long as you right. keep making that save. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that pathfinder orc ferocity. I love that. Yeah, what a cool idea. Um, now. Uh, uh, the bite does change a little bit as well for the for this Tyrannosaurus zombie. In addition to the usual rules in which it can bite and grapple, um, it is not able to disgorge a zombie while grabbing a creature. Now, you might ask, what, that, what does that mean? Well, disgorge zombie is a whole thing. As a, as a bonus action, the Tyrannosaurus zombie can disgorge a normal zombie, which appears in an unoccupied space within 10 feet of it. The disgorged zombie acts on its own initiative count. After a zombie is disgorged, roll a d6. On a roll of one, the Tyrannosaurus runs out of zombies to disgorge and loses this trait. If the Tyrannosaurus zombie still has this trait when it dies, 1d4 normal zombies erupt from its corpse at the start of its next turn. These zombies act on their own initiative count. So you've got this giant fucking Tyrannosaurus that's already undead, and it just starts throwing up zombies? It just pukes them out, essentially, as a bonus action. so good. It's just bonus action, and then you roll a d6 to see if it can do it anymore. And then you just keep going. I want more of that. (laughs) It's a hell of... It's as if this Tyrannosaurus just had a bunch of people that it ate and swallowed in a very short amount of time, and then somehow was turned into a zombie or an undead, and all of those were turned in tandem. And here you go. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a uh, so I just I creature. just looked it up to clarify: an undead fortitude is specifically a zombie trait. Mm-hmm. Um, so every zombie it throws up also has undead fortitude. Crazy. So they ha- they get to make those saves. That actually it turns into a. Possibly a complicated fight for the for the DM. <laughs> yeah, that gets really tough. <laughs> yeah, a lot a lot of con saves happening and stuff. But um, again, I mean the the AC's low and stuff, so it's it's not like. It, 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 but if all the rolls go wrong in the right way, you could have a hell of a fight in your hands. Yeah. Really, really cool. Wow. <laughs> I like that a lot. I think this is. A, I, I I I think CR eight's probably a little high. Um, yeah, but I I like it. I, th- I think it's uh, 
at least for the general, uh, we don't have the zombie CR here. Is it also CR8? Uh, yeah, the, the, the CRs for the zombies did not change. I can tell you that much. Okay, so the zombie one, CR8, kind of, it works for me. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the OG uh, Tyrannosaurus, the, uh, the AC8, doesn't, doesn't really do anything for me. Right. Um, I think the danger in the, in the original is that uh, it bites and grapples, and it can continue that bite and two tail attacks. You know, um, and while keeping one one, one player more or less incapacitated, um, yeah. So uh, you could, um, if it can effectively restrain one of the PCs and still still perform its full multi attack at the same time. Right, but this could multi attack, not grapple, and then throw up a zombie. Right. <laughs> it's a, it's a, if if the original <laughs> shouldn't be a lower uh, CR, then at least the zombie should be higher. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what I'm the, getting at. Is despite I think the AC reduction, probably yeah, closer to be, seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I don't think the disparity is too high. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think there is a disparity there yeah. that uh, needs to be addressed, because grappling is fine, but higher action economy is better. Yeah, for sure. Um, Couldn't agree more. And that zombie's got it. <laughs> that zombie is got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the zombie's only got one attack or whatever, unless you know. On a six, maybe it throws up a, a ogre zombie. I don't know, um, or maybe a beholder zombie. You're in Schultz. like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, play with it, fuck with it. But uh, that action economy really changes when you add another combatant, which it can just straight up do. Right, hell of a thing. Um, as a bonus action every turn. Like, why would you ever throw a regular Tyrannosaurus Rex at a at a party? You know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like this is probably my favorite zombie stat block of all time. Oh, um, it's crazy! It's it's so it's super, super cool. Good. Yeah, and of course, assuming that it's it's just a normal zombie, like they're a quarter challenge. But if for some reason everything goes south, like I said, like you know all the all the wrong rolls in the right way, um, you could have a lot of zombies in your hands. You know, <laughs> you could, yeah. Very quickly, I mean, we'll, we'll get to zombies when we get to zombies. Yeah. but like. They may only be a quarter, but they still slam for 1d6, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and the Undead Fortitude that we uh, spoke of earlier, like, that's, you know, thing, things can go very well for you as a DM. Easy to play with uh, as a DM, too, where you could you just be like, oh, you know, well, you, you, you approach, your approach is a clearing, and you see a giant lizard puking up zombies. There's already, like, four or five of them available, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Eating the corpse of an ankylosaur that eventually turns into a zombie. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, like, there, yeah, there, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot there that you can work with that Absolutely. I think is really great. Yeah. Um, right. Fun fact for the Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> oh, please do. Is that uh, in Fantasia, the Tyrannosaurus Rex had three fingers when it actually only has two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a third vestigial finger. Um, but the, <laughs> the theory is that Walt Disney told Barnum Brown, the discoverer of the Tyrannosaurus Rex, that it just looked better that way. <laughs> Walt had some fucking balls on him, didn't he? <laughs> oh, my God. Did he ever. <laughs> Yo, Barnum, uh, your discovery's shit. <laughs> yeah, super good. Oh, really, really makes me happy. Um, what a guy. It, uh, also, the Tyrannosaurus Rex was the original villain of King Kong from... Uh, Oh my God! When did King Kong come out, Freeman? Nineteen thirty. Yep. Four. Nineteen thirty-four. Nineteen and somewhere between nineteen thirty-two and nineteen thirty-four, when the original <laughs> King Kong, King Kong dropped, 
the Tyrannosaurus Rex was the villain. Um, well, I mean, we might as well get to the chieftain of all of this, the final in the alphabet, the Velociraptor. Ah, uh, yeah. Are you ready? I think so. I'm. I I hope I'm disappointed by this because I. Th- I, from what I know of them in real culture, they're really fucking disappointing. <laughs> like they're super not what Jurassic Park made them out. Well, to that's be. the point. That uh, was the point that I was like hoping to wait on. And you always brought up Anonicus. Oh. Like or we're we're gonna we're gonna just dive right into it. A D and D lore describes them as small aggressive dinosaurs uh, who hunted in packs. Makes sense. Small cousin of the Anonicus and about the size of a turkey. Uh, they are a tiny yeah. beast. Turkeys are D&D. fucking big, though. What's it, sorry? Turkeys should be small. Turkeys should be small. They shouldn't be tiny. Turkeys are big. Turkey, turkeys are a good size. Um, I, I'd say it's arguable, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree. Um, of course, these, these creatures are found in the jungles and beaches of Chult and on the Forbidden Plateau. And um, honorable mention is that they often hunted larger prey, utilizing pack hunting tactics. Um not much of an honorable mention, but it's all I could find. <laughs> uh, IRL-wise, they've, you know, carnivores. They're from Theropoda, uh, like the Allosaur and, and whatnot. Makes sense. Um, they uh, realistically ranged uh, in size around 2.07 meters or 6.7 feet in length and 0.5 meters or 1.6 feet in height. Wow. They were very so Tiny and long. Yeah. Very long. Very fucking long. And very short. Uh, now, mind you, that's probably hip height again. Um, but still. Yeah. Still. Um, still, that's really small. And they weighed uh, anywhere between, or somewhere around 15 kilograms to three, 33 pounds. Uh, wow. They were not large creatures at all. They were discovered during the American Museum of Natural History Expedition to the Outer Mongolian Gobi Desert on 11th of August, 1923. Uh, Peter Kaysen, or possibly Kaizen, recovered the first velociraptor fossil known to science, a crushed but complete skull associated with one of the raptorial second toe claws. Their the meaning... scene of Jurassic Park. Yeah, right. And this is where we're going to get into that. Because the... Um, uh, the meaning of their name is Swift Caesar, as in like seizing something. S e i z e r. I thought that was pretty nifty. And Sizor, the Pokemon, the steel <laughs> and bug evolution yeah, right. of uh, Scyther. <laughs> Scyther, yeah. So your fun fact about these creatures is that the idea of the Velociraptor was with feathered stems from smaller relatives that were uh, definitely. Um, feathered and were even able to fly. And in 2007, a specimen found in Mongolia was discovered to have quill knobs on the forearm. The famous Jurassic Park representation is more accurately the Deinonychus, including the giant geographical location uh, of Montana in the book and film. And the Velociraptor is actually only found in Central Asia, or like regularly found. So what we see in Jurassic Park and Jurassic World is not a Velociraptor. At all. 
they are a Deinonychus, straight up, including the depiction at the beginning of Jurassic Park when they find the creature. It's not a Velociraptor. It's even in the wrong geographical location. It's a fucking Deinonychus. Just we super fan. <laughs> you called it pretty much <laughs> straight up. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just wrong. It's just inaccurate. You know. Fuck you, Michael Crichton. <laughs> you, well, you done fucked mean, up. I think you wrote it in the like early seventies. Nah, he's dead to me. I hate him. Well, he's also just dead. <laughs> yeah, but, it's dead to the world. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, that, so, there you go. I mean, to touch on what I said earlier, uh, my favorite family of creatures are raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to know if there are any uh, paleontologists or ornithologists in the listening audience. If you could tell me which name came first, was it the name for the family of birds, which are my favorite creatures, or was it the velociraptor or the family of raptors? Um, because there were more than just a velociraptor from the, uh, the the dinosaurs. I understand that they all mean swift mm-hmm. uh, or Caesar, um, yeah. because that's how how raptors uh, catch things. Right. Um, but I would I would love I would love to know which one came first. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, some examples of raptors are ospreys, uh, my personal favorite falcons, harriers, and owls. Oh, cool. What about uh, uh, cassowaries? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, do they hunt in air? I think I think to be a raptor, you have to hunt from the air. They do not. The cassowaries are are you know still exist and are very large birds. Um, I saw one when I was in Australia, and it was the most probably one of the most fascinating things that stood me in my tracks. It's just. It's a flightless bird, and it's just, it's a dinosaur if you've ever oh, seen one. It's then, insane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then no. They, so raptors hunt from the air. Okay, gotcha. Um, so they specifically dive and kill with their talons mm-hmm. before um, before taking off. Right. So like eagles, uh, kites, buzzards, um, vultures. Uh, right, 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 right. Sierramans. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I know are owls and, mm-hmm. and falcons and, and ospreys, because yeah. I think they're the coolest. Um, so falcons yeah, are mean, the f- coolest fucking bird all, ever. <laughs> all, all this adds up, you know, especially with the the description from Deinonychus and, and that, like, you know, uh, smaller uh, related species likely were uh, uh, capable of flight. You know, uh, the idea of a velociraptor that we have in our minds greatly stems from the influence of of things like Jurassic Park, um, but it's like wholly inaccurate. You know, you can see the images I have here for for the notes. You know, you have the uh, a, a very obvious, cl- uh, typical modern depiction, and then you have an yeah. artist rendering that is sh- a straight up. You know, if it can't fly, it can at least glide. Feathered creature. Um, it's that, just covered that in them, second you know? depiction is so much scarier to me than the, <laughs> than the fucking big yeah. lizard. Like yeah. I don't know what it is about lizards, but they don't really frighten me. Yeah. But like. A fucking like I don't know if you've ever been attacked by like a turkey or a grouse yeah. or some shit like oh they're yeah scary nah. as fuck yeah imagining both of these creatures in both these images at the same size I'm with you I agree like the feathered one is despite the teeth on that on the first one the feathered one is 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 scarier for me for sure yeah teeth or whatever it's those claws that really fuck me up yeah hundred percent hundred percent so it's a uh, yeah hell of a hell of a thing um. As far as the stat block goes, like again, we're we're talking about a tiny beast, so these things are quite small. 
considering. Um, AC a 13 still, though. Uh, gonna be a little bit wily. I think that's just like lizard skin mm-hmm. is that five like D and D's defined it as thirteen, right. which I don't, I don't, yeah. whatever. I mean, but they're also like quite dexterous, so we're we're looking at a, a very low strength in this one because they're so small and high dexterity, uh, or high ish fourteen, you know, considering. Yeah. And then uh, they're only a quarter challenge, uh, which might be up for debate here in a sec. Uh, they have ten hit points, so quickly dispatched one hit, thirty foot speed. Uh, but they do have pack tactics. Uh, so you're definitely not encountering one on its own. You know, a pack tactics grants advantage on attack roll uh, against a creature if at least one of its allies is within five feet. Uh, and uh, they also have multi-attack on top of that. And it's three attacks. Right. Uh, one bite, two claws. You know, 1d6 and a 1d4 uh, bite and claw, respectively. You know, piercing, slashing, plus two each. So nothing crazy, but like you're you're talking if if there's a good swarm of them, like they're rolling a lot of these with advantage. So it might be small damage, but it's happening very fast and from a lot of sources. Uh, a quarter challenge. I don't know. It, it sounds to me like they're, you're they're assuming you're only doing two to three at a time. You know, but when I so, when I think pack tactics, I think five, six, seven, eight. You know. Right. So I think a more accurate depiction of these guys in the Jurassic Park franchise is actually how Peter Stormare dies in The Lost World. See, this this I remember. This part I definitely remember. Like, 100%. They, those little little dudes come at them in, like, in that river area. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, like, So I think that might them. be a better example of Velociraptor. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're not Velociraptors, they are some... They're related. They're, yeah. They're another one, um, yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen those skeletons, I think, at the Victoria Museum. Um, but they're they're really really quite small. Um, mm-hmm. But they are raptors, and I think that's more what this is hitting on. Yeah, um, I do have a couple of gripes with this stat block, but uh, they're not super important. But what do you uh, got? The first one actually really really fucking bugs me, and it's the hit points. Yeah, three d four averaged out is six plus three is nine. It's not ten. I don't know why that bugs me so much. Mm-hmm. Um. But that that should be that should be nine hit points, not ten. Um, I'm sure they just rounded it up for. I think they always round up on up. that average, though. I think it's the the. But there's the no rounding to be done on that average. True. That's that's <laughs> two times three, three which is yeah. six plus three. You're that's true. that's nine. So they for, um, they that, forcefully round. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why that's getting to me so much, yeah. and why that's really standing out to me. Um, the intelligence really really bugs me. Um, because pack tactics aren't in, like, I get that it's a wisdom-based thing because this is, like, wisdom is the animal side and intelligence is is the human side, and I get that, but I don't like it and I don't agree with (laughs) it and I never have. So I I always, I always uh, think about that because I, I, you know, I've had my own troubles in justifying and apologizing for that, that approach, and I always think about wisdom as instinct, Pure yeah, and I, I agree with you. I absolutely agree yeah. with you. But what what we're I understand that this this is probably instinct, mm-hmm. um, but I I I don't I can't relate to it being an instinct. Right. And I can't imagine it being an instinct. At least for people that this is this is a decision yeah. that's made, 
and I believe that dogs are smart enough that this is a decision that's made. I don't believe that dogs hunt in packs on instinct. <laughs> I understand that it's their nature, but I think that that's an intelligence. Right. And that that's a conscious decision that they make because they're intelligent enough to make decisions. We are also arguably uh, referencing, um, you know, one overriding the other. You know, instinct overriding what they know or have learned or have been taught. Um, yeah, you know, and, uh, so again, I, I, I get a, it. That's what that, I mean. That, that's I totally, I totally understand what you're saying, and that's why that intelligence versus wisdom is such a delicate line to sort of walk along. You know, it's like when do you decide that one is higher than than the other? Uh, because it's a very circumstantial um, scenario, uh, a very subjective scenario, in which yeah, one might I understand be in- more more prominent. Yeah, and I understand in D&D it's defined as intelligence is learned whereas wisdom is instinct. You're absolutely right, right. there. That's 100% how it's how it's separated. Yeah. Um I just whenever I see pack tactics, I just don't agree with that being a wisdom based. Yeah. I and I I understand where it comes from. I just personally don't agree with mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I mean um, my second issue is this 1d6 bite. Uh, okay. I think these should be reversed. I think it should be 1d6 claw and 1d4 bite. Okay. I understand that yep. it's this way um, f- to reflect the CR because you can have three multi-attack with uh, you know 2d6 and 1d4 right. at a CR yeah. one quarter. Um, but based on these two images that I'm looking at, one is very Jurassic Park-esque and one is um, turkey on spring break after too many tequila shots... <laughs> Uh, it is very clear in both of these images that the, the claws, claw is yeah. going to do more damage than the, the bite. The most interesting. And uh, in fact, like even in Jurassic Park, they emphasize that, right? Um, also, I, again, to be pedantic, I don't think that these are slashing claws. I think that these are piercing claws because they jump on you and they dig them in. Right. Um, but again, I understand that in D&D, one of the concessions that we make is that claws just do slashing damage, right. period, end of story. Yeah. But I, I don't personally agree with that. If mm-hmm. I was running these creatures, it would be piercing claws, and I would just remove the bite attack. It's the Lucrat all over again. Like They have a bone ridge um, instead of teeth. So why is it doing piercing yeah. versus slashing? You know, it's, it's that all exactly. over again. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the bite versus the claw, and I just I, I think it's... I understand that it's there to simplify things, but if you're running a game, you're not really here for it to be simplified for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any realism to be lost by changing it up every now and again between a, like, I get that when you, you when you write bite, you just control F um, piercing damage. Right, yeah. But I, I just, I don't agree with it. I, I'm sure it's probably just to make it simpler for DMs, but I also truly believe in my heart of hearts, it's to make it easier on their editors. Yeah, for sure. There is a certain and mode I, they have to adhere to 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 keep that simplicity intact. In yeah, so I would cha- I would make all those changes and just make it multi attack two attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to go with the turkey one, it's two attacks. If you're going to go with the Jurassic Park one, it's three attacks. Yeah, um, and it'd be a one d four bite. The old turkey raptor. I think that's a real thing. <laughs> at this point, I would not be surprised at all. Uh, okay, maybe not. Oh, turkey vulture is what I'm thinking of. Which, <laughs> vulture is a raptor, I guess. Yeah. Um, All right, well, um, from here, since we're dividing this into two, let's, uh, let's get into uh, our, <laughs> our homebrew dinosaurs. I don't know if you've had a sneak peek at mine yet, but... Uh, 
I haven't. I haven't looked at yours at all. Thank God. Um, uh, yeah, I've actually gone out of my way not to look at your dinosaur at all. Um, so I don't know how you want to do this. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to uh, to, no. to kick off the the home? All right. Yeah. Now uh, you go first for sure. Throw it at me. What do you got? Okay. So um, I had. I actually had oh, wait, a wait, really wait, 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 wait. hard. Sorry. 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 I gotta. I gotta crack another beer for this. Gosh. Because uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long. Long day, we've been drinking, and we're into home homebrew dinosaurs now. It's just getting, yeah. it's just getting outrageous. Uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, th- throw me what you got. Okay, so I, I had a really really hard time um, deciding which dinosaur I was going to do. Uh, so my original thought was the Indominus Rex from Jurassic World I because that. Yep. I love those movies. Um, I I love. I don't love the new jurassic movies but jurassic world is i think it's i think it's fine um i don't think it's terrible i don't think it's any worse than jurassic park 3 um but there are a lot of stat blocks online for the indominus rex or the indoraptor from uh, jurassic world fallen kingdom so if if you go look you can find those uh stat blocks online Mm -hmm. um so initially after that i was going to do the stegoceratops which is the other hybrid monster that we touched upon that actually got cut from the film right (laughs) Um, but that just didn't didn't do it for me. I wanted to do uh, the biggest or the baddest or the fastest dinosaur. Um, so I started looking up stuff like that, and none of those really did it for me either. Um, so there's like the the Pliosaurus, which is the um, the greatest killer of all time. There's the Chronosaurus, which was what was going to be the Tyrannosaurus Rex in the original Jurassic Park. Um, you know, there there was the Spinosaurus, which we touched on briefly in uh, the the Dimetrodon, which was the killer of uh, in Jurassic Park three. Um, there was the Draco Rex, which we which I touched upon earlier because I thought that was a really cool one. They were really angry. They've got those sweet like tiefling style horns. You're right. Yeah. Um, but eventually, I narrowed it down to three. There's the Glyptodon, uh, which is like this giant mole in a turtle shell which isn't actually a dinosaur so i decided against that um and if you want to know more about the glyptodon you can either google it or uh listen to uh with that small beans show what dinosaur real good they do a really solid glyptodon episode is that the uh, one so that's that left like me, related to the giant sloth or am i just mixing that up um it might be related to the giant sloth okay. it it um they're in on the movie ice age you'd know them to see them okay uh, they're they're like a giant turtle right i guess without actually looking like a turtle like if a, like if a mammal was a turtle it'd be a glyptodon <laughs> fair enough so my next choice was uh the jalopterus so this is a very very small flying um uh pterodon i guess or pterosaur this is uh it has skin flaps uh, and it was like the vampire of the dinosaur world. So it would attach itself to like the underside of the Brontosaurus and drink their blood. Hot damn. Uh, so I thought they were really, really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I went back to the well and I kept rethinking it and I kept rethinking it and I kept, I kept coming back to the Mosasaurus. So the Mosasaurus is, I guess, the hero of Jurassic World. <laughs> 
Yep. Um, okay. This yep. is specifically the Mosasaurus Hafmani. It's one of the largest creatures to ever exist. Uh, it's like the second or third largest reptile. And they're they're named after the Mesus River. Uh, Mosasaurus literally means lizard of the Mesus River. And they were of the Maastrichtian uh, uh, clade in the late Crustaceous. They're of the family Mosasaurs. Uh, so there are plenty of Mosasaurs. They're not the only one. The Tylosaurus is a Mosasaur. Um, the earliest fossils date back from 1700. They were originally discovered by a man called William Daniel Coney Bear in 1822, who I don't think we touched upon. Okay, yeah. Uh, so these are marine reptiles. They are not dinosaurs. Um, so I just scrapped that completely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're closest. So these things are what look like an alligator to me or um, a crocodile. Yeah. And I'll send you some photos in the uh, in the Discord. Sure. Um, I like like and more so very much more so than the um, uh, plesiosaurus, of course. Definitely. So these are like, um, so, so there's a skeleton and a cranial diagram that I'm sending you. Yep. Uh, so these had long, thin snouts. Uh, they they did have four fins, very similar to um, uh, the plesiosaur, but that's just how they paddled. But they were much, much larger, and they had much longer heads. Hmm. So these actually probably fed on plesiosaur and smaller mosasaurus, like the tylosaur. The closest living relative is a widely debated topic, uh, but they've narrowed it down to two different species. So in 2009, they were thought to be closest related to monitor lizards. Okay. But another study in 2016 now has them closest related to serpents. So they're, these are, are technically in the order Serpentae, not in the order uh, Pliosaur. Gotcha. So these are... Uh, relatives of snakes. They had like a like a whale tail um, and these four propellers. I genuinely love that some of this information is coming at like v- in very recent years that we've come across. Like I think that's super, yeah. super cool. You know, when you're a kid, you just think, oh, these things are old and we know these things and it's Jurassic Park. And like, no, they're still hammering away at this stuff and it's so fascinating. For sure. And one of the coolest things I think that... Um, relates them closer to serpentae than monitor lizards is that they were actually probably ectothermic. So these were warm-blooded creatures. They weren't even cold-blooded. Oh, no way. Yeah, and they definitely gave live birth. So they found mosasaur skeletons with with smaller uh, infant mosasaurs inside of them. Pretty much the first thing I thought of in that first picture you sent me is that they, they, you know, if you disregard the, the mouth and sort of face, I guess... They have a very whale slash seal look to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you're like, you know, it just kind of screams, you know, water, water bearing or water, water dwelling mammalian creature, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other cool thing is if you look in that first picture, they weren't fins. They were actually fingers and they think they might have been yeah. semi dexterous. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 fascinating. So, like, more webbed probably then, eh? Uh, yeah. So they think they were webbed right up until like what where you and I would have our last joints on our fingers. Yeah. They think they were they were um, fins up until there, and then those last they had those last little digits. 
That's super cool. Super cool. We'll have to make a deliberate effort to put that particular picture on the Instagram because I think that's really, really nifty. Yeah, I really like that yeah. too. Um, and one of my favorite things is that they were up to 17.6 meters or 58 feet long. <laughs> These were the second what or the? third largest what the hell? aquatic <laughs> reptile to ever exist. What? Oh, that's unbelievable. How large is the blue whale? Hold on. <laughs> the blue whale's about that size, if not longer. So the blue whale's a oh. mammal, and it's the largest living creature we've ever existed, I think. Like the way we, like we've ever seen, or like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, oh my God. That's unreal. Hot damn. I love it. Uh, I love so, it. What a great choice. Yeah, female blue whale's 25 meters. Jeez. So this is uh, just under 10 meters shy of a blue whale, but it's it's still Crazy. about as long as a six-story building. Mm-hmm. No biggie. <laughs> I'm just nature. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the way. <laughs> For sure. Crazy. So we, we can estimate that they weighed about 50 to 60,000 kilograms. Oh, man. So cool. Absolutely yep. so cool. And that size is reflected in uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, where there's actually, there's a couple of scenes with the Mosasaur where one just eats the Indominus Rex whole yep. at the very end. Yeah. Um, there's also a scene hence, earlier hence where hero. you get a better <laughs> reference where it eats a 20-foot-long great white shark. Oof, yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so it eats a shark the size of a regular sedan, just <laughs> like you or I eating a piece of taffy, like... Oh, man. So cool. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. So after not wanting to take this seriously at all, I decided to take it very, very seriously. Cool. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm glad you didn't because I took it the least amount of serious I could. (laughs) Right. Um, Also, the opening scene of uh, Jurassic Park, uh, Fallen Kingdom, like the pre-credit scene where they're uh, on the island trying to get the uh, the Tyrannosaurus, um, the uh, in Indo, the, where they're on the island trying to get the Indominus Rex rib from the bottom of the ocean. Right. Yeah. Uh, that horror scene mm-hmm. with the Mosasaur. Yeah. Like uh, straight out of the abyss is one of the greatest scenes <laughs> in movies I've ever seen in my life. I. It it set such a high bar for the rest of that movie that that the whole series together could not live up to. <laughs> uh, I remember you telling me the intro was like so good, I, and then I watched it, and I was like, I, I get it, it's not bad, you know. But I was also like, just had my, I was all worked up, and I'd already watched the fucking first one, and I was already oh, so disappointed. Yeah, yeah. It was like just a bad combo for me. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, right. didn't appreciate it at all because <laughs> i was so, that's fair i was already pissed off <laughs> yeah i just i think yeah. that scene is so yeah. choice where they let the mosasaur out yeah um <laughs> well i mean it's probably just the dino the dino nerd in you just like just loving it eh <laughs> Yeah, and, like, there's something about sea creatures that I really love and, like, specifically large and powerful sea creatures. Like, I'm just in awe of this thing. Yeah. You know, it's, like, 17.6 meters long. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. It blows my mind that something that large could exist. You know? Sure, the blue whale's bigger, but, like, 
I can only like eat krill, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I've been diving and stuff like that. Um, and like the largest thing I've ever swam with is a giant sea turtle. And those things are like, like seven feet long, right. you know? Yeah. So like the, I, I just don't have any perspective for something that's even half as long as right. 17.6 meters. Yeah. It's like an elephant's pretty big, but I don't think it's 58 feet big. It genuinely hurts my brain. When I was doing the research on this episode, I was, I was just thinking like, wow, all of these creatures existed somewhere in and around the same time. And they're all so massive. Like with a couple of small yeah. exceptions, they are all enormous. And like just how normal the world must have been with large creatures, you know, it's just like, you know, you, you, we imagine them as big and lumbering, but like they just moved at a, what might've been considered a normal pace for a huge amount of the world's living population. Like it's, it's such a crazy thing to like wrap your head around. Really fascinating. Right. And these things probably hunted in shallower waters too, which is crazy. So they would have eaten like plesiosaur, like, um, like Kronosaurus, Pliosaurus, um, like smaller Mosasaurus, like they would have, so they would have been fishing in shallower waters. So I sent the last photo I sent you was probably pretty fucking accurate. Mm. You know, this 58 meter long thing swimming in, you know, 30, 30 meter deep waters. Like, yeah, like oh. that's just a regular fucking beach depth, you know? So gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> that's the deep end of a pool. <laughs> absolutely insane insane um and you know like these are and on top of that they were probably endothermic so like not only were they swimming close to the surface they were warm-blooded aquatic reptiles which i don't i just i i don't know if we have any other examples of Um, so they just they they really the more i more research i did on them the more they struck me yeah so Uh, cool well tell me about their stat block then let's let's get into that this is a this is a James Kidd homebrew stat block. I, I didn't I didn't actually make up anything whole cloth really. Okay. Uh, I did some tweaks, but uh, to be fair, this stat block is based on the giant toad and the um, the leviathan from Five E. Okay. So I have it listed as a CR eighteen. Oof, yep. Big. Three hundred HP, which I think is pretty accurate. Okay. At an AC of eighteen, which I think is more indicative of larger animals i get that armor class is your ability to be hit but these things were also very very fast like they were keeping up to you know smaller plesiosaur and 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 stuff like that so right. they weren't okay. slow creatures sure. um i have it as gargantuan uh neutral beasts or whatever the dinosaurs are the unaligned essentially unaligned yeah. um yeah so i have no, it as no, a, no actual beast. alignment yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't know any languages. Um, because it's so large, I gave it an 80-foot swim speed because I think that's more than reasonable. Okay. Uh, that it can move, you know, twice as, or not even twice as long as it is in one turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it DR because I think this is, again, we talked about this earlier. I think things with harder skin deserve some sort of DR. So I give it DR to piercing, bludgeoning, slashing from, from non-magical sources. Right. Because it's an oceanic creature, I gave, also gave it damage immunity to cold. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, because I imagine it would be swimming a little bit deeper down and stuff like that to, to hunt some of the slower creatures. Okay. 
Uh, I gave it the immunity condition to exhausted, frightened, prone, grappled, and restrained. Uh, prone, grappled, or grappled and restrained because it's a, a gargantuan creature. Uh, prone because it's an aquatic creature. Uh, frightened uh, because it has a lower intelligence. And exhausted because even sharks still swim when they sleep. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Uh, those are also very similar to the Leviathan um, condition immunity, so I did take some out. <laughs> uh, dark vision, 120 feet, uh, because if you look at that skeleton, uh, the skull thing I sent, mm-hmm. it it's theorized that it was able to hunt via electromagnetic pulses, very similar to a shark or a crocodile. Right. Um, so I thought that was justified. Also, the Leviathan is dark vision, 120 feet, so it's there's some precedent for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the stats are pretty much the same as the Leviathan. I changed a couple of things to, to make the numbers a little bit cleaner. Uh, strength is 30 or plus 10. Dex is 27 plus 7. Con is 27 plus 7. Intelligence is 6 or minus 2. Wisdom is 18 plus 4. Charisma is 17 plus 3. Ooh, why, why is the charisma so high? What's your, what are you, what are you imagining there? Um, Honestly, I just ripped that straight from the Leviathan. Right. I figured something else needed to be a little bit not as punchy as the strength of the Dex and the Con to justify that CR eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing. I think I think the charisma is probably okay. Uh, now that I'm reflecting on it, I think the charisma is that high for intimidation. Okay, sure. Uh, now I imagine, uh, and I think this is where the blurred lines come uh, from: intelligence and wisdom into charisma. Uh, and those those less tangible stats, and uh, there's a part of me that always imagines that uh, uh, intimidation uh, re- uh, requires uh, a certain amount of wisdom or intelligence. One, it's like I know I'm intimidating, or I'm instinctually intimidating. Um, oh, you know right. What I mean? So uh, yeah, so yeah, I like do. With that um, particular, I like that, idea but that's not mind. how I think yeah. about it at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think there's the active intimidation, but I think there's also the passive intimidation. Right. Like, if you saw this creature in the wild, you would be intimidated by it. It right. wouldn't have to do anything to you. I, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think passive uh, intimidation makes a whole bunch of sense. But it's also something that should be, again, it's it's the playing with the player psyche it's uh, it's how you describe it, and I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on on that. It should be reflected in their stat block, um, passive intimidation, um, passive perception, passive possibly investigation, passive insight. Like we know those things loosely exist in various uh, editions. Passive intimidation, um, I'm not hundred percent sure should allow it to have a higher charisma. Because we know charisma right. is adapted into also persuasion, performance, uh, and what and deception and what have you. Um, so uh, no, I understand. No, there's yeah. just no differentiation in yeah. in five E specifically. Mm-hmm. Like there's no the the difference between active and passive doesn't exist. Right. So yeah. even if this creature was passively intimidating, which I believe it is, right. In order to use the use the intimidation mechanic, it would need to have a charisma base for sure. Yeah. Um, and that's just that's a flaw in the system. Hundred um, percent. I, I agree yeah. with you completely yeah. that it sh- they should not be tied in. Yeah. Um, I think I think intimidation um, should be tied in. Should be its own mechanic, like its own passive mechanic. Yeah. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not here to. Well, I guess I am here to redesign Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, we are a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe maybe if I were to go back and change this, and I would just dump the charisma and then give it a, like a passive frighten ability. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's where I was going with it too, for sure. Okay. I was going to yeah, yeah. so like give it give it something else in in its traits that uh, that makes it uh, terrifying. Um, and it, we we kind of discussed it earlier. You know, like uh, it's hard to give this one like a, a sort of fear effect, if you will. Uh, because it's not really a magical creature that you know it doesn't make a lot of sense. But in this case, maybe it does. It's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be a magical effect, but you know it's something that's like you know really puts even mechanically puts pause into the PCs. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily love. Th- I, I like the idea that this is just a beast swimming around. Hmm. Um, doing its thing, and that if it were to come at you, it could intimidate you, and that's when I would roll that intimidation check. Right. But again, that's not it actively intimidating you. It's the things it's doing intimidating you, which is where that check would come into play. Right, yeah. Um, because I don't ever want to tell you how your character feels about something. Mm-hmm. Like, you you should be intimidated by I it mean, based it's... on my descriptions, but that doesn't mean your character is. Yeah, I, it's worth uh, comparing to the Brontosaurus, the other gargantuan dinosaur. And that, you know, right. and it's, it's, uh, it's sort of D&D description is that it's, you know, most things don't bother attacking it because of its size. Like, you know, it's just straight up intimidating from its size alone, which is what you basically described to me just now. You know, but there is no right. mechanic registered. But this to opens you up for to use that intimidation as a mechanic. 100%. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I see where you're coming from, and I totally agree yeah. with you, but I also see... You know, if you've got a particularly brave and lesser intelligent creature, you know, I would never roll a persuasion check for, for the Mosasaur <laughs> right, or, yeah. uh, you know, like, yeah. like it's your job as a DM not to abuse that plus three in mm-hmm. a diplomacy check. Right. Like, that's, it's I, your job to use that specifically to intimidate your players mm-hmm. to make it appear like you're trying to warn them off from the encounter. Absolutely. I think, I think you nailed on the head when you said it. it's, it, what it is is a flaw in the system. Um, it, it, there's, there's, there's very, as much reason to have a low charisma in this creature as there is a high one based on everything we've talked about. And, it's, yeah. it, and they will, I think standardly wizards will always go low, uh, in this situation just to, just to avoid tempting a DM into abusing that. And, uh, that's not necessarily a mistake, but it is an obvious flaw in the system, as you said. So, uh, yeah. I think that, I think it's that, shadow run that you have a, um, it's it's not it's not charisma like you have you have your active charisma and then you have a a negative passive thing that negatively impacts those like where you where you're scarred or you're you've got a pallor from being a drug right. addict. Yeah. I think it's Shadowrun three e that has it. I'm ready cool. to be corrected. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I like in depth. I think that's a better mechanic, but that's mm-hmm. also a PC mechanic. That's yeah. not a that's not a creature or NPC mechanic. Yeah. I vaguely remember applying a similar thing in in a backup. Pathfinder 1E uh, character that I never got to play and that they had a very scarred face so I picked a deliberate yeah. flaw um, but uh, I also a flaw or a drawback yeah, yeah. It's a dra- yeah exactly a drawback and uh, so there was a, a huge reduction uh, to um, charisma and stuff uh, uh, it, uh, based on sight but then I also employed uh, having a mask that was like beautifully constructed right. and it, like it went in, it probably went into my, my character's like, you know, build cost, you know, to have this mask okay. available. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting concept. So, 
Yeah, so I think there are options there if you really want to fuck with it, but like this doesn't. It, I don't want to say it's not worth it, but I, I, that's legitimately kind of how I feel. Is is I don't feel like it's worth nerfing this thing's charisma, mm-hmm. um, because you as a DM should be smart enough not to try and use a performance check from the Mosasaur. Yeah. Um, yes, unless I, you're yeah. playing Jurassic World. <laughs> The D and D game, like in which case, you know, it does perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it genuinely does. <laughs> it genuinely performs. Well, so, like, it, I'm it's I, yeah, trained to do certain things. I don't want to tell things. you how to run your game, and I also don't want to tell you how to play <laughs> yeah. your character. Yeah, and I think that's where the high charisma mm-hmm. is justified. Yeah, um, yeah. for sure, for sure. But speaking of abilities, I give it uh, legendary resistance because I fucking love that mechanic so hard. Um, Do you? I, I limited it, it to once per day as opposed to the uh, uh, Leviathan, which is three times per day, and it's once per day it can choose to succeed on a save it would otherwise fail, which yeah. I think is, I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, giving it once per day, I'm not going to whine too much. As a general rule, I despise that mechanic. I think it's uh, just a shit way to make something powerful. It's not. I not think flavorful. three per day is too much. We, yeah, um, we've I, we've hundred percent talked about this before, and in recent in a fairly recent episode, I don't remember which one it was. We've definitely covered this, and now yeah. our our uh, griefs with it. <laughs> but uh, it's a uh, it's just a shit way to increase the CR, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I mean, once per day, I really don't mind. Three per day, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's yeah. just ridiculous. Um, so my rationale behind this was, you know, once per day, you can look your players directly in the eyes without rolling dice behind your screen and just be like, it succeeds. <laughs> and yeah. I think that in itself is an intimid- like a, subder- a subtle intimidation tactic yeah. um, that a DM can use to really show off the power of this creature. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that is justified. It's a certain uh, without actually having to make an intimidation thing, yeah. check and be like, this is how your character feels, this is how you feel. I think this is a solid way to strike fear under the hearts of your PCs without overpowering the creature yeah. itself by giving it, you know, three times per day is kind of fucking boring, but once per day being able to look your, your you know, your cleric in the eyes and be like, no, it, it just succeeds on your fireball. Oh, you didn't roll any dice. Oh, didn't I? <laughs> yeah see I, I love that a little, little secret of behind the screen like intimidation really really cool uh, it makes them question you're like oh shit what have I gone wrong what am I going to do it makes them rethink a, th- a thousand things I mean yeah. I think that the biggest grief that uh, you know that you and I uh, experienced together in recent history was you know when we did experience it it was you know it was me and you and uh, at least one or two other DMs in the group you know, and we, we were players and it was like, you know, uh, the whole the whole screen was open. You know, so it was like, oh, they use their we were being told they use their legendary resistance. And we're like, OK, no surprise to us that they have that and that sort of thing. But it also there was a certain level of like immersion breaking and there was debate in the rules and whether or not uh, that decision was made based on what was like, you know, presented as, as the spell being cast. And, uh, and, and uh, so to use it in that regard, like you just described, I love that. That's great. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it there is a certain a DM on player, like a metagaming intimidation yeah. tactic. There was a, I think when you use it as a crutch, yeah. you've got, you've got real problems. I'm all for transparency and like showing behind that screen. But sometimes when you do it in the moment, it actually hurts. Uh, and when you do it after the fact, it's a little bit, you know, like, uh, I love that reveal after the fact, I guess. I love that uh, reassurance of like, oh, that's how that worked. That's why that went that way. Oh, that's super cool. But when you're in that moment, when you're in that immersion, you're in that role play, 
You know, you yeah. want that intimidation factor and you want that s- scary moment. You know, was it the fire? I actually that prefer when was my it? DMs roll behind the screen. Yeah. Like, uh, be- because of that, because mm-hmm. my pl- my character doesn't know and it helps me yeah. when I don't know. And like, it, there's, you, you, you know that there's something so much more thrilling about not being able to pin down exactly what fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Uh, hell of a thing. Uh, but I mean, once per day, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chastise you for that. Legendary resistance once per day, cool. Like for, first thing you throw at it, it just shrugs it off. You're like, shit. What am I gonna do? Yeah. That's your fear effect already. And it, <laughs> yeah, and again, that like that's a metagaming tactic. Like I know I know as a player, I metagame. I know most of my players metagame a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think legendary resistance once per day as a metagaming defense mm-hmm. or like counter tactic i think is i think it could be very valuable especially when you're fighting something that's but you know this is probably not a cr18 it's probably closer to a cr16 or 17 but Mm -hmm. um i think i i think it could be fun once per day just to not just to lay your your dice down and look your player in the eye and just be like nope yeah it's good (laughs) it's fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right well uh let's get to the the rest of the meat and potatoes of this thing yeah, so this is where this creature starts to go south hard and fast for literally everyone involved. Um, I decided I wasn't going to pull my punches on this creature because I consistently uh, chastise D&D for pulling their punches. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a multi-attack, one bite and one swallow because apparently I hate my players. <laughs> so the bite is exactly the same as the Leviathan at the same CR rating. It's plus 16 to hit. 20-foot reach, 10d10 plus 10 piercing. Mm-hmm. So if you do the math, that's not huge. That's 60 piercing damage um, on on one attack. Uh, and technically, it only has that one damage-dealing attack. Right. The problem is, is if it hits with that attack, the target is grappled. It is then a DC 18 um, escape artist. Is that what it is? In, uh, uh, just escape DC. So it's... Uh, escape DC? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to get out of the bite, otherwise you're you're grappled. Um, the problem is is that I stole the swallow attack from the giant toad. Yeah. So it is a plus sixteen to hit versus a creature that it's grappling. If it hits the target, the target is swallowed. Right. Obviously, that's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. When swallowed, the target is blinded, restrained, and has total cover. On the start of the Mosasaurus' turn, it takes 5d10 acid damage. Also not huge. Um, if the Mosasaur dies, the target is no longer restrained and can escape from the corpse using 15 feet of swim movement. And that's 15 feet per round maximum. Right. That's how that works. Um, the Mosasaur being a gigantic creature, that could be a lot of feet. Yes. <laughs> but I also don't absolutely hate my players so i decided to include rules from breaking out from the inside i have not seen these in fifth edition i don't think they exist the rules are when you're grappled and restrained you should be able to attack with a one-handed item right Um, especially in a creature this large i don't think the stomach cavity of a mosasaur would be small enough that you as a medium-sized creature would not have room to swing a dagger right um so i gave the stomach an internal ac of 15 Mm mm-hmm an HP of 100, but the last 50 of that HP has damage reduction, same as the Mosasaur, the non-magical, which I thought was a nice touch because I've never seen that before either. Mm-hmm. So is your damage reduction based on the fact that you're getting f- through the flesh and now into the... the, the into the scales. The scales, okay. 
Yeah. Um, so I have I have three full things to say about this. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, w- uh, thing uh, one, uh, I love that your escape is swim movement. Um, of fifteen feet because it's very likely you've been swallowed underwater and with water. Uh, so I think that's just a nice little touch. Um, Thank you. Uh, I would change the multi-attack into if the bite manages to grapple, it can swallow you as a bonus action. I think just... uh, I think... I think that might be too much. I think that it... um, you know, just just the way stat blocks work in five e, it would it would uh, the uh, order of operations would work better, and then have a caveat that if like one creature swallowed, another one can't be, for example, like oh, also see, add that I top. did not want I I specifically did not want that caveat. Okay, you want to avoid that, okay? So yeah, it, which is why I added yeah. the uh, the to hit. So it's the only the thing that's tripping me up is, is that that like swallow. is that a swallow is part of the multi attack, and then you know yeah. it just like you know, but the multi attack just doesn't exist if the grapple doesn't happen. You know what I mean? So it's almost well, if the targets hit. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, again, almost. Uh, the, yeah. Either way, the multi attack is like it's either going to happen because they they're in you know, the grappled or, or or if they avoid it or they escape it or you know. Anyway, uh, right. it, it, not a well thought out uh, thing on my end, but but just like you know, gut instinct. Um, but the, the thing that stands out for most for me is I, I would totally change the damage resistance on the stomach to a regurgitate. Once a minimum amount of damage instead of instead of having like once you uh, get past fifty hit points, um, it's damage resistance because you're getting to the scales and the skin. I would instead have a once a, a minimum amount of damage done from the inside occurs, it pukes you up as a reaction as a, as a, uh, a reaction to the damage being done into its innards. Okay, uh, I I love that. I think that's perfect. That's what I would do. Um, yeah. My biggest concern with that was the uh, the distance from the neck to the stomach. I right. even seen that skeletal, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's way better. I like that. The, that's way the cleaner. The thrust alone really like would be that. amazing. And then if you really want to like still keep it really dangerous, have all the stomach acid come out too, so you can keep that acid damage and just turn it into a fucking spray attack, or like a breath yeah. attack. Like you're you're attacking from the inside, you do a certain minimum of damage, and then it just pukes you up. But anything in front of it just gets covered in acid as well. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think it'd be really um, fun. And if you'll allow me to defend the multi attack, yeah, no, totally, because uh, that one's the one I'm shakiest on for sure. Yeah. So my first is that it's a plus sixteen to hit, so that's pretty close to a gimme even at that level yeah acs don't get a whole lot higher than 20 mm-hmm. um in 5e so it's pretty close to a gimme roll to hit i also needed two points of failure in order to justify restraining blinding uh and essentially taking a pc out of combat so at at 18th level you're not just taking one action out of combat you're right. taking between two and three maybe even four attacks much less movements and um bonus actions Mm -hmm. completely out of the round so i needed at least two points of failure to justify reducing the pc's action economy by realistically based on how crs work 25 percent right Um, okay so giving it you know a plus 16 to hit we're we're still you know we're looking at maybe 
a 25% chance failure, 25 to 30, maybe 35 on the high end percent chance of failure on these rolls, period. <laughs> so I wanted it to be devastating if it hit, but I also wanted to give them that opportunity to not be swallowed and just be grappled in the mouth because then they could essentially break out of it. Sure. The problem is, is if, you, if you grapple them and you include an escape DC and then they just auto-swallow, what's the point of including that escape DC? Mm-hmm. What's the point of including that, that grappled mechanic? Okay. It's just, that's one attack. The creature's bitten and then swallowed. Okay. And um, in that case, my... there's another mechanic called swallow hole, which I also looked at. Oh, okay. So uh, we're, which totally negates things. the bite mechanic. Yeah, so I want this to really, really hurt a PC. Like, okay. like 60 piercing damage and then uh, 25 acid damage. Like that, mm-hmm. that's going to essentially take a PC down about halfway in one turn. So gotcha. when you get hit, I want you to feel it. Right. Like the th- okay. if you get bitten, the threat of death is really, then. really yeah. high. Um, but there are two points of failure here, which mm-hmm. I absolutely needed to have in order to justify essentially killing a PC. Yeah. The, the theory, the, the chances of a PC getting out of the swallow are almost zero. Right. Um, with the way it's written, with the AC 15, mm-hmm. uh, HP essentially 150, yeah. I mean, realistically 175 at the last, mm. um, the last bit, like, or 125. Uh, so we've got an AC 15, HP 125. When you're taking 25 damage around. The chances of you getting out are very, very slim. Right. Um, so I, I needed to have that second point of, uh, no, of totally. failure in order to justify well, well everything defended. else being so high. Yeah, well defended on that. Let me just ask, does the giant toad have a multi-attack, or is that like this is where you've... Um, no, the giant toad has one bite, or one one grapple, and then one swallow. Yeah, okay, They're two enough. separate yeah, attacks. Okay. The giant toad's only like a CR2, though. Yeah. I think, I mean, so I, I think that's well defended. I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. I think if you couple that, what you have here... Uh, with my regurgitate thing, you could have a really interesting scenario because you yeah, could have, I like you could have, you could have multiple HP. PCs being swallowed at the same time, but then you also increase the chance of them all being ejected uh, as they're attacking inside. So it's uh, it, it creates a really crazy scenario. I think that's really cool. Yeah, so I, I think I'll adjust this for the regurgitate, and that's what we'll publish when this episode yeah, drops. Wicked. Because I awesome. like that way yeah. better. Um, yeah, I that instead really, of the really damage resistance inside, I, I think that would work really, really well. Yeah, um, sweet. But the rest of it, I really, I really did put like three or four days, like five, five to ten hours into the attacks specifically of this stat block, just to make sure they're semi balanced. Mm-hmm. Because they're not. If you get hit, you are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I love it. So good. And this is a CR eighteen. And, and, so you're you know, like, you're 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 not not a low level when you're fight, fighting this thing. So. And that's what I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure there were consequences for getting hit by this thing. Yeah. Like, if you're in the water, you fucked up. <laughs> if you get hit by this thing, yeah, you fucked you're up. You're done fucked up. If you up. get hit a second time by this thing, you're probably going to mm. die. And I want, like, those are the three points of failure that I wanted to have <laughs> on this creature. Uh, the, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, we're going to move on real, real quick now. But. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a quick chance to defend two th- other things, I guess, that have just come to me. One, I, I would give, like, a really minor land speed to this creature instead of zero. Um, like, super minor. Justify. Like, five feet. It's a fully... But it's it's an aquatic creature. Yeah. Like, Mosasaurus didn't have... There were there were fully aquatic creatures. Um, it's a part of me that would just want to, like, give it a trait that's, like, you know, as, lo- as so long as it's partially submerged, it has a speed of five feet. 
but once it's once it's away from the water, it's it's fucking it's fucked. You know, I know that that would be a really unique trait to give a creature like you wouldn't see that anywhere else but there's a part of me wants to get that like to be able to give it a, a, the ability to lunge onto a beach in a way right and just like try um, to justify that a little bit mechanically that's that's where my brain's at the only other thing is that i'm not sold on the cold immunity simply because yeah. a lot of the uh irl stuff you said is like it is a uh, a shallow water dwelling creature and you justified it with it possibly diving deeper to 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 uh, uh, acquire food and but there's that's fair yeah there's nothing to me that s- says that i just feel like that's a redundant immunity not not that it doesn't necessarily fit but it just doesn't need to be there uh yeah okay um i i get where you're coming from with that um so i i have two i guess points on the cold damage the first is that again basing this off the leviathan stat block it was immune to acid and poison um, which I just don't think makes sense at all for mm-hmm. an underwater creature. Um, I think those are just the two default Wizards of the Coast things to be immune to, and I think that's that's straight-up horseshit. Um, <laughs> because you could easily poison a large reptile or burn right. it with acid. Acid is easily going to flow through water, um, it being defined as a liquid. Uh, so I just I could not fuck with that. My other point was that no matter how deep water gets the the temperature starts to reduce pretty exponentially even though it hunts in uh, shallower waters doesn't mean it lives there we don't really have any idea of where it lives and the idea of uh heat being dispersed through uh, a liquid medium is something we see every day in our lives whether it be like water cooling in a pc or something like that so i just imagine that anything beyond 30 feet would just freeze solid and sink before even reaching to a mosasaur Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't imagine that the cold would transfer that well through water, you know. Mm-hmm. But did, uh, okay, so so it's it's a it's a matter of that cold uh, like following through the the water itself, um, and that's what grants the immunity to the creature. Yeah, I don't want to. I guess it, it, it's more of a half cocked way of of giving the creature an extra level of immunity, but I mm-hmm. just. without having to change the environment because you know ice crystals can flow through water and shit like that and that you know that works that makes sense to me but it just it doesn't it it doesn't fully flow to me because it a creature of this high cr needs some sort of immunity and i just could not figure out what it would be other than cold you know right because it's such a large creature even though it is an endotherm like Mm -hmm. whales or whatever so this um, is it like could yeah, dive pretty deep because I was able to bring that up too. You're like, oh, you even said it was endo- endothermic, so it's, that's yet another reason for it to not uh, stand a reason. Um, and uh, and again, like uh, another counterpoint to that is that uh, you already have mechanics or loose mechanics in Five E regarding uh, whether or not something is fire or magical fire. So it's like if you're shooting magical frost through the water, I don't think it would matter um, whether or not it survives the impact and and the, the location of being in the water. Um, I, I'm I'm sort of with you, and I think this is where we have possibly another evidence of the failure of the system. Um, in that uh, we don't have uh, damage reduction for magic, like we don't really at all. We just have damage yeah. reduction for physical uh, with non-magical weapons, um, but there's no like half damage, or there's very rare half damage for for cold or magical effects and stuff like that. I mean, they exist obviously, but, um, but it's uh, maybe in this instance is where I would, I would, I would say that makes more sense than immunity, 
You know what I mean? Right. And you're you're absolutely right. Like if it were me and I was I was running an underwater encounter, mm-hmm. I don't really think I'd play with the cold immunity. Mm-hmm. What I would do is all of your ice based spells like ice dagger, icicle, um, cone of cold, all that, the range is just halved. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. No, see that that I love that. That's great. Right. And that's but more I, environmental I, as a scenario. Designer, yeah, as opposed yeah, to a creature step on. But I'm yeah. not I'm not designing a an encounter i'm designing a creature right yeah 100 um, and that's yeah. that's where that compromise comes in totally here yeah. specifically makes sense food for thought for sure for yeah especially for listening dms you know your environment is significant it's a huge part of your encounter yeah, stat blocks and stat blocks seldom reflect your environment if if ever so yeah i would say never yeah um but so that that's kind of my justification there is that I'm I'm not writing this stat block for me I'm writing it for other DMs mm-hmm. and the easiest way to reflect how I believe ice would transfer through water yeah. is just to give it immunity yeah. to cold which is where, um, which is I, the greatest apologist explanation for a lot of wizard stat blocks you know they are built well, for all, just all the TTRPG. creature yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah all of all them TTRPG. all of them yeah you're not wrong yeah like it's not their job to, you know, there's a reason Matt Coville says encounter de- design doesn't stop when you roll initiative. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I vehemently believe that with mm-hmm. all of my being is yeah. that every turn, every initiative roll, every dice roll, the encounter changes. Yeah. And it's up to you as the DM to map and alter that encounter as it changes. Yeah, 100%. This is just one of those, this is my way of reflecting how I believe this creature would be encountered in a stat block. Yeah. Like, there's a reason it doesn't have a land speed is because I don't, you know, maybe this creature does killer whale shit in your world and it snaps up onto the beach and it flows back out to the ocean. But mm. I don't know how to reflect that in a stat block other than giving it zero land speed. Like, <laughs> yeah. if I give it a 10-foot land speed, you're going to think it can flop around. Oh, like right, a, like yeah. A, like, <laughs> like it's like no a, big deal, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that's that's not it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not an iguanodon. It's not a spinosaurus. It doesn't have... It, it's not a land dwelling creature. It doesn't breathe oxygen. Right. I think is really what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah, and right, as, as right far as we you, know, yeah. uh, that's why I was uh, like, oh, it should be more of a trait than a than an actual speed. You know, like as long as I said some portion, uh, realistically, at least half of its body is submerged in water. Um, it, uh, right. it it does have a land speed. You know, but that's that's a caveat. And, 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 and yeah, when you have a token or or a uh, a pawn on a map, you know, you can very easily determine when half of it's in the water and half of it's not, you know, it's not difficult to yeah. do. Um, and that's up to you guys. Like I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not trying to influence your encounter. I'm just trying to give you something to encounter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you, you might even say, I just want you to encounter this. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I am hammered, bro. Who are you? <laughs> I'm not sober either. <laughs> Let's be honest. Ugh. Okay. This is the perfect time. The segue to my dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> How serious did you take it? I just, I, I oh, went hard man. on the. Uh, have, have you found, did you find the PDF I posted? Did you? I, yeah. It's I'm called Baby it. Sinclarosaurus. Just... <laughs> this is, uh, this for is. For those uh, of you who are not, uh, for those of you millennials out there like the rest of us, Freeman is going to explain the shit out of this. <laughs> Baby Sinclair. Is a character from the American uh, sitcom, I uh, mean, with uh, practical effects, Muppets and Puppets, called Dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't think we can say Muppets. 
Uh, I think we can. I think we can. I think we're fine. Um, I think. I think. Okay. I think, I think Muppet is a type of puppet or a type of type of. Uh, yes, uh, you are absolutely right. It is a type of puppet. I don't think. I don't think Muppet is the Jim Henson studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> regardless. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, the famous Kevin Clash voiced Baby Sinclair. Uh, he was the creator of Elmo. And um, and uh, Dinosaurs was a really weird and lame and strange sitcom from the 90s. <laughs> and it had one of the best endings ever. <laughs> it, it, it had some of the most iconic moments and the most... Iconic character of that of that show had to be Baby you, Sinclair, who which was. Do you remember f- how that series ended? I don't at all, to be honest. No, the meteor strikes and they go extinct. Oh, that's right. Oh, I do remember that. Oh, it's so good. Per- what a perfect way to end that show. <laughs> that show covered loads of things. Um, it covered so uh, at, like actual social issues. It covered even like. Uh, indigenous territory issues with cave people. No joke. Yep. Uh, it, it covered racial issues with different species of dinosaurs. Uh, Baby Sinclair was actually named uh, the, the official name of, of the of the, the, the dinosaur, the character uh, named by the village elder. Oh, its name is Baby. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yeah, literally. Uh, it, 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 there's so much weird shit related to that show. And... Um, I decided that uh, Baby Sinclair deserved a stat block. <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. So we have Baby Sinclairosaurus, uh, <laughs> uh, a tiny beast. <laughs> uh, I gave I gave Baby Sinclairosaurus uh, an alignment. It's chaotic neutral, <laughs> which I that think stands right. to the character. Um, Anyone who's genuinely unfamiliar with this uh, with this character, just go look up some trailers. Go look up Baby Sinclair. You'll get a bunch of videos, and you'll get an idea of how annoying this creature is. And uh, uh, I've given it an AC boost compared to the other dinosaurs. Fifteen natural armor uh, with its eggshell that it sits in. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, it's still got very low hit points. I've modeled a lot of this off the Velociraptor stat block, so it's only got ten HP. It's got zero, okay. right. zero speed. Does not move. Sits in the eggshell, reasonably high in AC. In the high chair, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, in the high chair. <laughs> and just, like... And so, pretty much his uh, ability scores are almost identical to the Velociraptor. Um, it's got a little bit of higher reception. Um, I uh, gave it uh, the ability to speak every single language, except that it can only utter the phrases, Again, I'm the baby, gotta love me. And not the mama. <laughs> this this was the first instance I can remember of a catchphrase being introduced in a pop culture. Um, I know I know it. I'm sure it happened earlier yeah. in pop culture, but like where where this was airing in reruns is when I was alive right. and watching it. Like this is it was it was this and uh, and uh, Julia White. Did I do Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> now, I, I, embarrassingly, I for when I was a child, I did, had no idea he was saying "not the mama." Instead, I thought he was saying "knock the mama," and I thought he was misinterpreting his father as his mama the whole time. Oh, so like that's how I interpreted it. So I thought he was just like okay with hitting his mother, but he thought his father was his mother. 
And it wasn't until like yeah. I, my adulthood that I realized that no, he was just mad that it wasn't his mother. I was like, wow, that makes way more sense. Um, uh, <laughs> so that's embarrassing, weirdo. Uh, challenge ridding, I literally have no idea uh, because I just went to town on on the traits here. Uh, I have no idea where to put this. Um, first trait is I'm the baby. Got, I'm the baby. Got to love me. And any creature that attacks baby Sinclairosaurus thinks twice before striking a child, causing the attacker to roll with disadvantage. <laughs> so, oh my god! <laughs> pretty, pretty big, pretty big uh, thing there. Uh, the next okay. one is not the mama. Uh, the baby Sinclairus attacks with advantage if its mother is not in line of sight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Again, bearing in mind, this creature can't move, so you could just step yeah, away yeah. and call it a day. Um, and then uh, uh, they also have uh, this. This was sort of a, a, a needed thing: improvised weapon utensil. Uh, the baby Sinclairosaurus can use any object, no larger than a frying pan and no smaller than a wooden spoon, as an improvised weapon, and it's considered proficient with this weapon. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, as far as actions go, they have again. Uh, the baby Sinclairosaurus makes three attacks, one with its ankle bite and two with its improvised weapon utensil. Essentially, it's multi-attack. <laughs> Again, this is v- highly reflective of uh, the Velociraptor. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love it. I just I cannot imagine this thing ankle biting and then hitting with a frying pan in the same attack yeah, round. So ankle bite, uh, uh, basically, you know, plus four to hit, 1d6 plus two, piercing, nothing special, and the improvised weapon utensil. Um which, I mean, realistically, I imagine, I actually imagine m- many of these in a cave uh, surrounded by bones. So, they, like, they pick up a bone and they start swinging and trying to bite right. ankles. And so, you're, like, trying to navigate your way through a cave uh, and uh, trying to stay yourself from attacking them. Because you, you are rolling with a disadvantage and they're rolling with advantage. Because assume, assuming you're in that cave uh, while the mother's absent. <laughs> um, well, that's uh, that's my baby Sinclairosaurus, <laughs> more or less. Oh my god! <laughs> um, I I I mean I like I like most of it. I think it's <laughs> I think the language is fantastic. All of your little flourishes I think are fantastic. Renaming multi attack to again, just <laughs> just fucking perfect. I love it. Um, the only thing I would change is under I'm the baby, gotta love me. Mm-hmm. I would change it to any attacker who is not on the evil spectrum. So if you've got like a lawful evil tiefling, oh. they could probably attack the child without disadvantage. So you're really you're push, you're really pushing a more Pathfinder aspect in their alignment like is more tangible. I, yeah, yeah, for this, yes, um, because I believe alignment should be more tangible. Right. Also, okay. like, I personally feel like I could hit a child twice if it yelled, I'm the baby, you gotta love me. <laughs> this is why, this is why I nicknamed you, uh, what was it, uh, the, result, <laughs> the result of practical effects, kid? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never had a better nickname in my life. Uh, Amazing. Um, yeah, okay, I mean, I would, uh, I would, I would consider it if it were not five E. I think it's a great, uh, yeah. a great, uh, <laughs> um, 
piece of constructive criticism, but as far as five E standards go, I won't make that change. But I, but I do no, really like it. Fair. I do really like it. The, um, uh, that that is a hundred percent something that a DM should consider. You know, like yeah, you know, if one of your players is, is, is evil in alignment, you could give that exception to them without explaining it. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna attack one. You're like, okay, you do like disadvantage. You're like, nope. Oh, you know, yeah, that, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's. I mean. Other than that, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, highly unemployable, but really, really fun. <laughs> uh, I would say not employable at all, but yeah. It, this, is, this is like pure fan service. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Um, I was pretty, like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but like, I, I was pretty sure you were going to stat out like one of the, one of the Zords, like... <laughs> Oh yeah, one of the <laughs> like. Oh like my god, I'm Jason's surprised you Tyrannosaurus didn't. <laughs> Zord. I thought about it. I'm a I'm a big Green Ranger fan. Yeah. I really thought about statting out the Dragon Zord, but there's no dinosaur there. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll finish. Uh, we'll finish this episode on a simple fun fact that comes from the Dinosaur Show. Uh, the creator of that show, Michael Jacobs said that the popularity of Baby contributed to the network allowing the creators to run the show as they saw fit, stating, as long as the baby hits his father over the head with a pot, we could use that to hide anything. Oh, my God. And honestly, that quote right there makes me want to watch the show again to, like, really see if they hid some crazy shit. Because I bet you they did. Because that's coming from I mean, that's coming from the creator, quoting the producers of ABC. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's that's pretty intense. <laughs> that's intense. They must have some hilarious shit hidden behind the 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 abuse of of Baby Sinclair to his father. I think it's or some like Earl. really poignant shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Earl, yeah. It's early. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, too funny. So there you have it. Uh, <laughs> There's our extraordinarily long episode of Dinosaurs. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> We've been recording for almost four and a half hours now. Yep. Straight through, drinking straight through. Hopefully it's salvageable at this point. Yeah, at least minorly coherent. <laughs> happy end of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Happy yeah, New happy Year 2021. 2020 and all that um, jazz. Yeah. And if you liked it and you've got a creature you want us to hear, patreon.com backslash encounterpod. For $5 a month, you'll get a handwritten thank you letter and access to our show notes, um, including the PDFs of at least a Mosasaur. We're unsure of the legalities of the rest of these now that I've seen what Dinosaur Freeman did. I do not think that we own this baby dinosaur, so I'm not 100% sure we can release this stat block to our paid members, but at some point we will release it to our fans at large a hundred percent yeah i mean um, unlike our our uh, what, what little uh behind the paywall things we have i feel like if we just release all this for free we'll probably be okay yeah <laughs> we're not gonna be probably. targeted at least <laughs> still gonna look into it yeah um but if you want to make us sit down and record for four and a half hours, you can uh, request a suite or a single creature which would be much preferred for ten dollars a month or more 
if you want to get at us, correct any of the names we've uh, said wrong, which is all of them, I'm sure. You can hit us up on facebook.com backslash encounterpod, instagram.com backslash encounter.pod for some of these dope, dope plesiosaur and mosasaur photos. Uh, twitter.com backslash encounterpod where you can hit me up for any of the things I said or did wrong. I'm pretty hammered at this point, so I don't know what they are anymore. <laughs> or you can check us out at our home on our web at encounterthis.ca where you can find other things. That's probably where we're going to end up releasing most of these stat blocks to the general public just because we cannot legally release them behind a paywall. <laughs> Definitely um, not. Definitely, definitely not. But if you liked it, please leave us a rating and review on your platform of choice. It really helps new people find us and new people get interested. Um, if you're if you're interested in hearing any more about it, the topics we talked about, take a look in that show description. We'll have links to stuff you missed in history, stuff you should know, what dinosaur real good, and possibly the Imaginary Worlds episode that Freeman may or yes. may not have mentioned in this particular episode. I'll probably a link to an excerpt, it. but yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that'd be great. Um, and if you like dinosaurs, make sure to tell a friend. Tell a paleontologist. Tell an ornithologist. Just tell <laughs> tell literally anyone Tweet at about Bill Bailey. And, that, <laughs> and, and yeah, and that helps us out immensely. Like, you, you could not believe getting more listeners on the show helps us out fantastically. And every new listener is one new set of years closer to us getting that coveted strange fellow sponsorship where we no longer have to pay for our own beers while we get hammered and record the show. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> be fantastic. But thank you so much, dear listeners, for sticking with us through our first full year of shows in 2020. And we will, I guess you'll hear this episode in 2021. Um, but stay tuned. Up next is uh, Periotons, and then we've got some fun things coming after that. Get ready for 2021 when you when the show changes to Encounter Me. <laughs> and I tell you how I did not pronounce Deinonychus or Papadapadapadon wrong. If you want that, just <laughs> hit us up. You know, donate to us on Patreon. You can get access to a private Discord, and you can just tell me to get off the show. I'll, I'll edit it. It's fine. I don't mind listening to Freeman. No, talk. it's not up to you. I already fired him. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm over it. That's it for me, listeners. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll see you in my own show, Encounter Random Encounter with James. <laughs> encounter the Practical Effect Man. <laughs> Encounter poor pronunciations. (laughs) Oh, encounter poor pronunciations, you mean? (laughs) Pronunciations. Right. That makes more sense. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, my God. Fade out. (laughs) We are the worst. Fade to black. And we love you, listeners.